Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Ryan Levesque here, Inc. 500 CEO and number one national best-selling author of the books, Ask and Choose. And if you want to choose to grow your network the right way, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. I am absolutely fired up right now because I just got done with the conversation with today's guest, and man, I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. This guy is somebody that's been on my radar for a really long time, and so I was really excited to finally be able to sit down and get the chance to talk with him. He is the Inc. 500 CEO of the Ask Method Company and the number one national best-selling author of Ask, which was named by Inc. as the number one marketing book of the year. His work's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and over 250,000 entrepreneurs subscribe to his email newsletter offering business advice. He's also a co-founder and investor in Bucket.io, which is a leading marketing funnel software for entrepreneurs. His latest book, Choose, helps readers avoid making the single biggest mistake when starting a business and guides people through answering the all-important question, what type of business should you start? My guest today, guys, is Ryan Levesque. Ryan and I talk, of course, about his new book, Choose. And by the way, he's giving it away to every listener of this show. So if you are listening to this and you're like, man, I definitely am on, on the same page as this guy, then you're definitely going to want to listen and tune in so that you can hear where you can find that free book. Plus, it comes with the audio book and a bunch of other amazing bonuses. 
So you're not going to want to miss that. Plus, we talk about how to really escape societal pressure and do what you feel like you need to do. And we talk about what his one business move is, his one move, the thing that that moves all of his businesses forward, what his one move is, and how you can apply it to your business no matter what industry that you are in. Interviews just jam-packed with so much amazing value, and I can't wait for you guys to listen. But before we get into that, you listen to this show for a reason. However you heard about it, whether it was Google, iTunes, social media, whatever it was, something about the title Build Your Network resonated with you, and it means that you're like me. You realize that the most important factor that contributes to your success in any industry is your network. Well, after years of learning, growing, testing, implementing, I'm finally putting together an all-encompassing online training called Explode Your Network. It's my complete framework that's guaranteed to exponentially grow your connections, level up your inner circle, and shorten your runway to success without annoying your contacts or printing a single business card. It's everything I know about networking in one place. And it's currently on pre-sale during the pre-launch because it is not yet finished. So anybody that's in my audience, I'm offering to you right now for less than 150 bucks. It's 51% off. It's less than 150 bucks to learn everything that I know about networking and really level up your network this year. So if any piece of content that I've ever released has added value to you at all, then head over to travischapel.com slash explode to start investing into what we both know to be the most important aspect of your career. And now here is my chat with Ryan Levesque. Ryan, what is up, brother? Welcome to the show. Travis, man, it's awesome to be here. Super excited to be chatting with you. Yeah, of course. I've been looking at this interview for for a little while now. Um, I was stoked when uh, when your team reached out because I've been following your stuff here for a little bit. And we're, what we're talking about right before we hit the record button uh, is we have a, a mutual friend. I'm sure we have several mutual friends, but uh, one of them would be John Lee Dumas. And um, he was really big on the ask method when I started my show. And that's been like one of the biggest things for me. And now I do a ton of podcast coaching. And that's one of the biggest things that I teach my clients. So you've had a, a big impact on what I've been up to. And uh, so I've been looking forward to this for a, for a little while now. That's really cool. John's a great guy. And uh, it's awesome to hear that you're using Ask in uh, not only your business, but with your clients as well. It's cool to hear that. Yes, sir. All right, let's go sort of jump in here and build a little bit of context for some people out there who may not be familiar with who you are. I like to take it way back. So humor me for a second, take it all the way back and let's chat about what life was like for like 10-year-old Ryan LeBeck. <laughs> Gosh, 10-year-old Ryan LeBeck. So I grew up in New Hampshire. I grew up in the mountains of New Hampshire. I grew up a pretty blue-collar kid. First in my family to go to college. Uh, my parents, my dad worked nights. Uh, my mom cut hair in the basement of our house to earn extra income. And 10-year-old Ryan right now would probably be doing quite a bit of work at home. So I... Um, because my mom cut hair in the basement of our house, I had to grow up. I had to get up pretty early in the morning, especially in the winter month and uh, winter months, and make sure I was clearing snow. So I was shoveling our driveway probably about four thirty in the morning. My mom had our first customer would come at between five and five thirty in the morning. She had a lot of school teachers who had their hair done before school. So um, you know, school would start at like seven. So she was doing school teachers at about five five thirty in the morning. I had to shovel snow in the driveway before that. So that's probably what I was doing. It's one of the reasons why I moved to warm and sunny Texas. So I never have to do that in my adult life. But that's uh, spent a lot of time doing that. And when I was having fun, Lego was my jam. I was uh, probably building some cool Lego set or playing with some Lego set that I had hidden underneath my bed or something like that. 
Yes. Star Wars Legos, man. That's where it's at for sure. I'm actually, uh, my wife is due. She's almost, almost, almost here. May 6th, she's, she's due. So less than two weeks. And uh, people were asking me before we found out the gender, hey, what do you want it to be a boy or a girl? And I was always like, oh, I don't really care. I just want, you know, just I'm happy to have a baby. You know, it doesn't really matter to me if it's boy or girl. And we were Christmas shopping for my niece and nephew, my wife's sister's kids. So two nephews, one niece. And we were buying them like, you know, all these toys from Walmart or whatever. And I was putting the boys' toys into the cart. And just like something in my head was like, yeah, I want a boy. Because I miss playing with Legos. Like I miss Legos and Hot Wheels. And if I have a kid, I'll have all the excuses in the world to play with toys again. So yeah, I, I definitely understand you on that. So sounds like you grew up in the house of a hustler as well. Your mom cutting hair at five, six in the morning. Like that's, that's straight hustling right there. Would you say that your parents always encouraged like that entrepreneurial itch in you? You know, it's funny. So my dad, he worked nights. He basically loaded trucks, boxes and shipments on trucks. And he was employed by the, the government. So he had a union job, um, was pretty much as like risk averse as you could possibly imagine the government job, union job, working nights. My mom was, you know, a bit of a freelancer. So she, you know, she wasn't an entrepreneur in the sense that she had a a business with employees and staff and, you know, franchising or anything like that. She was a freelancer in that she was the one cutting the hair herself. But both my parents definitely taught me the importance of a strong work ethic. You know, my dad probably worked six or seven days a week, most of my uh, life growing up working on the weekends to make extra money. And uh, my mom, you know, working pretty early, pretty early hours to make extra money. And I learned that importance of, of work ethic and uh, definitely have that. A lot of my friends will say that I work hard. I don't, I don't hide the fact that I don't live the four hour work week, but I absolutely love what I do. Like I love, I love the business that we built. I love what I get to do on a daily weekly basis. And um, you know, when I'm not I've got two boys now, four and seven years old at the time of this uh, interview. And when I'm not working, I'm usually doing something with the family. I'm usually taking soccer practice, playing Lego on the floor with them, swimming in the pool, doing something like that. So I don't have any crazy like hobbies. I don't have time to like play golf or, you know, something crazy like that, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I like, I love my life and uh, I feel really grateful to be able to do what I get to do and to be able to have done what I've been able to do. So life is good, man. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like, like, like hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters 
is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah, quick side note here. What do you do with with your boys in terms of like trying to encourage a strong work ethic for them? Yeah, you know, so they have their own little business. One of the things that they do in their business, we actually, they have their own company that they both, uh, they're both owners in. They're both paid a wage. They do a lot of things for us as a client. So for example, a lot of our fulfillment. So shipping out, we, we ship out uh, course materials for people who buy our online courses and T-shirts need to be folded and organized and we have Lego bricks that need to be, that need to be put inside these boxes. So they have their own little business. Um, they get paid for that. And uh, we've been trying to teach them the importance of money. And if you want something in life, well, find a way to earn the money to be able to, to do that thing. And so we've tried to instill that, to that into them as a, an, at a young age and they're doing more and more as they get older and older. So we've tried to instill that entrepreneurial spirit at a young age. Pretty quickly. So, okay, cool. So I, I, I mainly just ask questions like that selfishly since I'm going to be a dad now. So, but getting back into more of the story here. So you were uh, growing up, your mom was cutting hair, you were shoveling snow. What was it like in terms of like getting out of that situation? Meaning did your family always encourage you to go to college? Was it like, Hey, you have to go to college or was it just kind of, we just want you to do whatever you feel like you should be doing. Talk to me about that decision-making process. And what- Yeah. You know, I think my parents always knew that the path out, like the road out was to go to college, get an education. So they definitely encouraged me at a young age to, to pursue that path. And that was kind of the, that was the path, but they also kind of, you know, encouraged you go to college and then after college, you, you, uh, you get a good job. And so I had that kind of paradigm instilled in me. And so when I first my family to go to college, my parents both blue collar, never went to college. And so when I got into Brown, an Ivy League school, it was a pretty big deal. It was like a pretty big deal for my extended family. And I think there was a lot of pressure on me as well to uh, be that, like the, the hope of our family to come out and, and, and do something amazing. So there's a lot of pressure on me. And I think when I first went to school, the uh, thought was that I was going to go to medical school. I was going to, I studied neuroscience at Brown and East Asian studies. And, um, you know, I think my family thought I was going to go on to become a doctor, become a, a neuroscientist. And my best friend at Brown actually did. He went on to become a neuro, uh, neurologist at the Mayo Clinic, which is, you know, the most just, um, you know, medical institution in the, in the country. And he and I were, were in all the same classes. We're doing the whole thing. But I realized that that wasn't for me. That wasn't the path that I wanted to follow. I was really fascinated with the human mind and human psychology and neuroscience of how we think. But I wanted to, I was much more interested in pursuing it in a, in a much more practical way as opposed to, you know, studying a, a specific neurotransmitter and a subchannel and a specific, you know, cell within the brain that just wasn't my, my thing. It wasn't what I wanted to do. So I found a path to do that. How was that process for you? Like, what, was it pretty easy for you to decide that? Or did you feel like you were letting everybody down by not going toward that path? 
Oh man, I felt like I was letting everybody down. And, um, you know, it was, a, I had a precipitous fall from grace, right? So get into to Brown and uh, I chose Brown specifically because it had at the time, and I don't know if this is true now, but it had the number one ranked neuroscience department in the country of any college. And that's specifically why, why Brown. And so get there. And then after a few years, realize like, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to become a doctor. I don't want to become a neuroscience researcher. I don't want to become a neuroscientist. It's not my thing. And uh, my parents, you know, when I told them after school that I wasn't going to become a, wasn't going to go to medical school, but instead I was going to work on wall street. It was a bit of a kind of a hit. It was like a bit of a blow, but like, so wall street's like, okay. You know? So they're like, all right, still, he'll still be fine. And after doing that for a few years, I told my parents, actually, I'm going to move to China and I'm going to work in China, but I've got a really great job. I'm opening up sales offices for uh, this really big company called AIG. And uh, my job is pretty awesome. I get to travel around the country, open up sales offices, and it's going to be awesome. And they're kind of like, uh, okay, all right. Um, it's not Wall Street. It's not neuroscience, but it's still okay. And then when I told them, like at 20, I can't remember how old I was, maybe 25, 26, that I was actually going to quit my job in order to sell ebooks online. That's when they had their, oh, okay, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a second, you were going to become a doctor. <laughs> then we let you work on Wall Street. And then you're going to work in China. And now, wait, what? You're starting a business to sell ebooks? And wait, time out again? The niche is you're going to teach people how to make jewelry using Scrabble tiles and origami paper, which was the first business I started, the Scrabble tile niche business. They're like, hang on a second. We need to talk. Like, this is not, we, we, didn't, we didn't go to college, but this just sounds like a very bad idea based on everything you've given up to get to where you've come. So yeah, that was kind of my path is uh, from neuroscience to uh, teaching people how to make Scrabble tile jewelry online. That's so funny. So they were like, yeah, totally cool with the Wall Street stuff. But uh, yeah, let's have a conversation now about this Scrabble tile idea. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's so funny, man. So coming coming out of that, was it for you and your family? Like, was there kind of like a chip on your shoulder to kind of be like, I promise that I know what I'm doing or was it just like a total, I don't feel fulfilled doing this other work and figuring this kind of stuff out really is what gets me going. So I don't really care either way. I know in the future, I'm going to be successful. I don't really care if this ends up. Yeah, man. I mean, the thing that led me to want to start my own business was very much what I call a, a quarter life crisis. And I reached this point where, you know, I graduated from school. I was basically doing a job that many people would consider to be like a pretty, what I consider to be my dream job at the time, right? Like I was, I was using, I'd studied Chinese and neuroscience. I was using my Chinese, which is something I wanted to do. I was making good money. I was getting to travel the world. I traveled to all sorts of, all throughout Asia, India. I traveled all around the world. And then I realized, like I woke up one day and I kind of said, whoa, is this it? Like, is this it? in life. And I saw my, my, my boss, who is the head of China for AIG. And I saw my career, like I said, he was the president of China, like I saw for our company. And I, I saw like, this is where my, my path is headed. Like, this is what my life is going to look like in 20, 30 years. And I said, is this what I want to do with my life? And I think kind of, we all go through these periods, right? Where it's like, whoa, is this what I want to do with my life? Having the, the impact I want to have. And I, I just felt like there was something inside of me. I felt like there was more that I had to give. 
And I ended up writing this 30-page letter to my parents that was published in Ask in my first book. And I kind of shared all the turmoil that was going on inside of me and that there was, I felt like there was more I had to give. I felt like there was this untapped potential inside of me. And if I didn't do something about it now, like when was I going to do something about it? And I decided to, to make the you know, bold decision to quit my job on the back of that. Like I had a very well-paying job. And then from there, I kind of started at ground zero. I sold everything that I owned, uh, gave everything up, all the trappings of the, the fat cat expat lifestyle, car and driver and the house servants and the five-star hotels and you know meals out with clients and all of that, gave that all up to uh, start over in a 400 square foot apartment with my, with my wife who was in grad school at the time. And from there, I don't know if it was a chip on my shoulder, but it was definitely no one except for my wife believed in me. Even my parents thought I'd, they thought I was just throwing my life away, throwing my career away. And I had to go on this journey that really lasted a decade where it wasn't until, you know, last year where we landed on the Inc. 500 list, the fastest growing companies in America, past $10 million a year in annual income. And um, I was finally able to, I think, you know, look my, my mom and dad in the eye and say, they believe me now. They look back and they, they know uh, they're really proud of, you know, their son. So not just because of the income and wealth, but just some of the things that we've been able to do in our career. We, you know, we built a school in Africa, in Kenya last year, which is one of the things I'm most proud of doing. You know, we fostered children from uh, China, some under orphans in China. You know, we've done a lot of cool things that I'm, that I'm proud of. And I want to do a, a lot, a lot, a lot more. And it's just kind of been the tip of the iceberg. But I think, yeah, now they recognize that, okay, we can let our son, like he's got it under control. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's amazing, man. I love hearing stories like that because it is super similar to my story a little bit, not in terms of the Ivy League school and really great job thing, but I grew up super religious. So everybody in my culture kind of expected me to be in ministry. And that's what my degree is in Bible and church ministries. And again, like you realized a third of the way through the process that maybe I don't want to do this. And uh, it was a lot of pressure. And that's why I asked on that, how, like, how difficult that decision was, because I know how difficult it was for me to make the decision that I was not going to follow that route. And so my fallback was that I started in door-to-door sales in college and took off with that. So I was just like, I'm just going to do a career in door-to-door sales. And which is obviously a completely unconventional career path and had a lot of people questioning my decision making during that process. But then when it started going well, I was the same way. I was just like, I don't think that this is something that I want to do forever. I got to figure something else out. That's when I got into personal development. And that's when I started getting into podcasting. And then that was a completely different situation where it was like, you're going to quit what you're doing now that makes good money. You're making you know, six figures. I was 22, 23, making six figures, knocking doors. And you're going to quit and invest a ton of money into starting a podcast. And that was when I you know, went out to JLD's house and met him and hired another coach and this coach and that coach and this program and that program and just started investing all this money. And yeah, it was, it was the same kind of a situation where you just hope for the best and you just know that like, regardless of how it turns out, I knew that I was going to be fulfilled either way which to me was like probably one of the biggest factors. And then one of the other factors was like, I eventually got to this point, Ryan, where I felt like I'm the only person that has to wake up and be me every day. Everybody else can have their projections of what they want me to be. But in the end, they don't have to be me. I have to be me. So I have to be able to wake up every day, look at myself in the mirror and say, you chose this life. And uh, that was really like a big catalyst for me. And then I got a really great piece of advice from somebody. And the reason I'm saying this, because I'll kind of want you to talk into what one of the biggest factors was for you. Because I think a lot of people listening right now 
are probably in a position similar to that which you were in and that I was in where they're doing something that maybe you know makes good money or whatever, but doesn't fulfill that part of them that they know needs to be fulfilled. And maybe you can kind of help move them along in that decision-making process. But the second thing that I thought about is that the safe option is always there. You have all of these connections still. You had that career. If all this went to crap tomorrow, you could fall back into a career where you can go get a job, but you can't always chase your dreams and do what you feel is going to be necessary for you to do. So those were a couple of things that helped me in that decision-making process. Can you talk about a couple of things that maybe helped you make that decision? Yeah. You know, it's funny. And I talk about this in my most recent book, Choose, that I think the number one thing that I see that holds most people back, it's one of the reasons why I wrote the book in the first place is because people are afraid to screw up their already good life in order to go after great. People are afraid to screw up good in order to go after great. It's the number one thing that I see that holds people back from being, from having the courage to take the steps necessary to go after that thing. And I can certainly speak for myself. That's the thing that held me back for a long time. It held me back because I was afraid to give up that income, that lifestyle, that life, and really the career path. It's one thing to give up that income, but like when you're on this path and your job and your career and you're thinking, gosh, if I quit and I give it all, like I'm throwing that whole thing away because you might be on this trajectory where, you know, for me, it was like, you know, going from associate to, you know, it's the youngest department manager, division manager in my company. And to be able to, to throw that away, like you was making good money at a young age to throw that away it just felt like I could never go back. Like that was the thing that scared me the most. And, you know, for me, the thing that lit the fire under, under my butt is this happened for me in, in, in the middle of the 2008 world financial crisis. And I woke up one day and I'm very grateful for this gift. I woke up one day in China where I was working and I woke up, walked into my office and I found the Wall Street Journal. Asia edition sitting on my desk and the headline read AIG to, fa- uh, to file for bankruptcy. And that was a company I was working for. And that's how I found out the company I was working for was, uh, was about to go under. And, the, and my job was about, I was about to lose my job. And it was the fire I needed under my butt to say, you know what, if, if not now, then when? And that day I walked into my boss's office and, and handed him my resignation letter and sold everything that I owned. And and with, with my wife, who was in grad school at the time, we were living this we do we were living this crazy bi country marriage where my wife was going to grad school, getting her PhD in Hong Kong. I was based in Shanghai, and I'd fly to Hong Kong like every other week to see each other for a long weekend, and then I'd you know go back to work, and she'd come up and see me for a long weekend, and and she'd go back to work, and we lived the, the first few years of our marriage basically like this. And we dated, we were college sweethearts and we, we'd been together since our freshman year of college. So it wasn't like that was like how we were first together, but it was the first few years of our marriage that we lived like this. And I kind of had that moment where I said, if not now, when enough is enough, I'm going to make this reality. And, you know, I think it's a, a big mindset thing for a lot of people who are at that stage in their business. It's like the thing that holds a lot of us back is that the head trash Stuff, the, the thoughts going on in our head. What if it doesn't work out? And I remember for me, it was like, gosh, it was like, I just had these thoughts of what if it doesn't work out? I'm going to, we're going to be poor. We're going to be, you know, basically be living in a cardboard box and uh, I'm going to go back. And the thing that I kept telling myself was, well, fallback plan is this worst comes to worst. Absolute worst happens and the business totally fails. I'll just go back and get a job. 
I just go back getting a job and I knew I could get a job in insurance, probably not making what I was making, but I knew I could get go back and get a job. And you know what my plan was, dude? It was, I'm just going to save up a little bit more money and do it all over again. I knew I wanted to work for myself. I knew I wanted to be my own boss. I knew I wanted to own my own business. And thankfully, it never came to that. Thankfully, it, you know, we were able to make the business successful after some early bumps in the road. And the very last job that I ever had where I was taking a paycheck from someone else was um, back in 2008. So it's been almost 12 years. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And huge props to you for, for taking that step out and actually seeing those things come true and then doing what was necessary to make sure that your story was the way that you wanted it to end up. And for anybody listening that's in a similar position where you're just so scared of taking that step, if you truly feel like it's what you need to be doing, then I would encourage you to definitely start heading in that direction because there's nothing cooler than thinking about something in your brain and then creating it and then being able to live that life where you actually get to build your own life. It's, it's, it's one of the most fulfilling things in the world. So Ryan, kind of to move the conversation along here, you brought up your most recent book, Choose. Can you kind of talk about what the main idea of that book would be? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I, my first book, Ask, reached literally hundreds of thousands of, of readers. It sold hundreds of thousands of copies. It's been published in all these different languages. And I never expected it was going to have the impact and the reach that it had. And when you write a book like that, like a couple of things happen. There are a lot of cool things that happen. People write you letters and emails and messages about uh, how the book has transformed their life. But you also hear from people who didn't like the book <laughs> and people who read the book and said, hey, dude, I followed everything that you teach and it didn't work. And that kind of led me down this three-year research project that kind of culminated with the book Choose. And it was kicked off with this very kind of nagging question that was in my mind, which is why were some people having success and why were some people failing? What was it that separated the people who used Ask to build successful businesses? Guys like Jamal, who was making 17 bucks an hour, read the book, followed what I teach, built a business that does $600,000 a year. For guys like Charlie, I talk about Charlie in the book, Charlie Wallace, who built a, he was making a few thousand dollars a month in his business and built a business that now does $2.2 million a year. What was it separated the guys that built businesses like that and men and women and the men and women who read the book and uh, failed? And it all came, it all kept pointing back to this one thing. The people who failed, failed because they chose bad markets. And it led me to start to look at the markets that my wife and I went into in our business and uh, the 23 different niches that we went into. What was it that separated the ones that were total home runs, wildly successful from the ones that weren't as successful? I started looking at our clients, our students, and the same thing. and looked at what was it that separated those who were successful and those who weren't. And I was really inspired by the, the work of Jim Collins. If you've studied any of Jim Collins' work, good to great, great by choice, built to last. And Jim Collins' work is predicated around studying the most iconic companies in the world and looking at those that have been successful for decades and separating them from those that were maybe successful for a season, but have either disappeared or uh, never reached any high level of success. And I did the same thing, but my testing ground, my laboratory was the businesses that we've started, the businesses that my clients and students have started. And what I found was that the thing that separated those 
were successful and those who weren't all came down to choosing the right market. And that was kind of the seed that started this book. And this book is all about how to make what I consider to be the single most important decision when starting your business. And that is choosing the right market. How do you figure out what niche you should go into? So the book reveals the seven factors that we've discovered over the last three years that separate successful markets from those that are not successful. What's up, everyone? Just wanted to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite podcasting app, Himalaya. If you're not listening to podcasts on this new app, you're definitely missing out. It's like a social media app, but for podcast listeners. Follow your go-to shows, like and comment on your favorite episodes, and download professionally curated playlists made just for you. So head on over to your app store or Google Play store and download Himalaya today and thank me later. This episode of the show is brought to you by Rothy's, and this one is for all of the ladies out there. Rothy's is a company that makes stylish shoes for women out of recycled plastic water bottles. And from what my wife says, they're actually really comfortable and they're machine washable because they're recycled plastic. So look, typically I wouldn't bring a product like this on the show that I don't personally use, but since my wife does, and since they've diverted over 25 million plastic bottles from landfills, I felt like it was something that I just kind of had to tell you all about. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks, and they sell out constantly. Plus, they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts, or so I'm told anyway. <laughs> You'll discover quickly why BuzzFeed called them their forever shoes. Plus, Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges, so there is literally no risk. No worries, no reason not to try. Check out all of the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash Travis. That's rothys.com slash Travis. And I know this is mainly for all the ladies out there, but if you're a guy and you're listening to this show and you have a lady in your life, promise you this is going to make a fantastic gift. So head over to rothys.com slash Travis. I love your stuff a lot, Ryan, because look, I, I, I enjoy motivation. I think motivation has its place, but I'm a big fan of practicality. Like what can you teach me that I can actually implement that's not this high level motivational stuff that doesn't actually make a real difference in my business today? And uh, that's one thing I really like about the ask method, but I also really appreciate that about, about shoes. And you get really granular and you tell real reasons, real things that are actually going to affect your business, either negatively or positively, depending on on the business that you're choosing and the market that you're choosing. However, the one, the one thing that's, that I like that you open the book up with is this concept where you say, there's no need to be perfect, just get it going. And I like that because the way that you're talking about choose and all that kind of stuff, that to me gives people so many excuses to not start. They listen to the first part of this conversation like, man, I'm just going to go for this business idea. And then they hear you talk about like, well, all these people tried these businesses, used this particular thing that worked for a lot of people, but they didn't do this, this, and this first. And I feel like a lot of people would take that and be like, we'll see, that's the reason why I don't want to start my business because there's no guarantee if I'm going to be successful and blah, 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 blah. And they give all these excuses and they start this negative self-talk. So I love that you open the book up with, look, there's no need to be perfect. Just get it going. Can you talk about that concept and how it's super important to the rest of the book? Yeah. In my personal journey, I was a reluctant entrepreneur. Like I'm a very risk averse entrepreneur. And I talk about a number of stories in my life. Like I was, I'm very, I have a lot of respect for guys like you. I was not the kid at 10 years old who was knocking on doors, selling the candy bars. I was not that kid at all. I could not imagine 
starting a career selling door to door. I have a lot of respect for people who have that ability, but that's not me at all. I'm not a natural salesperson. I'm, believe it or not, not an extrovert, very introverted. You know, I spent a lot of my time growing up drawing, playing Lego, and reading. Like that was, I was that kid. I wasn't a natural salesperson. And so I also wasn't the big risk taker either. Like I didn't, I didn't have that. My parents kind of drilled into me. You get a good job. You have a job like my dad that had a pension and um, you save for retirement. Like that was kind of like the mantra beaten to my, my head. And so I can appreciate for anyone listening to this right now who, who is like, doesn't have like that natural risk taking gene as part of their DNA. I totally can understand where you're coming from because everything that I've done, I've had to, I've had to do it coming from this place of being afraid to fail. So a hallmark of ask and certainly a hallmark of choose is all about mitigating risk up front. It's all about taking steps without having to go all in on something. Like that was not who I was at all, right? Like chips all in. You hear about these entrepreneurs who, you know, they just risked everything on this one idea and, and it turned out great. That was not me at all. Like I, that scares me like, you know, to death. So um, choose is all about this process that you go through to identify if your business idea, and most importantly, your market, is a red light, yellow light, or green light. And there are these tests that you take your idea and test them against these concepts before you move something forward. So for example, one of the things that I talk about in the book is the market size sweet spot. One of the biggest questions I get from aspiring entrepreneurs is, and even existing entrepreneurs is, what is the right size for a market? How do you know if your market is, if you should niche down, like find a smaller niche, or if you should expand the market? Maybe you've, you've limited your opportunity. You should go into a bigger market. Like, how do you know what market size is, is right for you? And uh, it's a question I was really curious about. And so one of the things in this kind of three-year research project that I mentioned that we started looking at is I looked at every single one of our markets, every single one of our businesses. So I mentioned the 23 markets that, that we've gone into, everything from Scrabble tile jewelry to orchid care to uh, memory improvement to selling water, high-end water filtration systems to satellite television to dog training to golf instruction to all these different markets that had gone into over the past decade. I looked at, we looked at every single one of them and we analyzed the market size. And what we did is we looked at the keyword search volume in every single one of these businesses. And we looked at the businesses that were most successful and compared them to all the other businesses. I did the same thing with our students. I did the same thing with my private clients. And what I found was remarkable. I remember the day that we made this discovery, my colleague and I, we looked at each other and we had run all these different markets through the Google Trends Google search volume tool, which is a free tool that anybody can use to look at the search volume for your keyword. And what I found is that every single one of the successful markets, uh, Travis, all fit within this very narrow keyword man, like a very narrow search volume. Every single one of the markets that wasn't really as successful either was way outside it, meaning above it or way below it. And I remember my colleague and I, Michelle and I looked at each other when we found this and it was like this kind of like huge aha moment. And we spent the following months deciding, like, are we going to reveal this or not? Like, are we going to keep this secret? It just felt like a trade secret. Like we had found like this, this market sweet spot that you want to look for. Like you don't want markets that are bigger or smaller than this. You want to be in within this very narrow band. And we debated like for months on end, we included, do we not include, do we include it, not include it. And in the end, we decided in the book 
to reveal what our most successful keywords have been. And we did this because I wanted people to be able to take their idea. I wanted you to be able to take your idea, your keyword, and compare it against these reference keywords, these benchmark keywords, and see, is your idea within the sweet spot, or is it too big, or is it too small? And if so, do you need to niche up or niche down? And this is just an example of one of the tests that I take people through in the book to help you make sure your business is going to be successful out of the gate before you invest time and money and energy and months of pain and anguish and go all in on something without knowing if it's going to succeed before you get started. Man, I love that. Tell us where we can get this book, right? <laughs> you know, you can get this book. So I wanted to do something super special for your audience. And that's this. I wanted to give away a free hardcover copy of the book. I'll give you a free hardcover copy of the book and I'll send it to you anywhere in the world. All I ask is that you pay a few dollars shipping and handling to cover the postage. And when you do that, I'm going to do a couple things. Number one, I'm going to hook you up with over $200 in free bonuses. And uh, one of the bonuses that I wanted to include for your listeners is the audiobook. And the reason why I wanted to do that is because I know a lot of your listeners, like they, they listen to your show, they you know, maybe listen to the show in their car, on their commute, when they work out, whatever. And if you're like me, I'm a huge audiobook person. So I wanted to hook you up with the audiobook. And in case you guys are wondering, anyone listening to this is wondering, I actually locked myself in a studio for a week, with no food, no water, <laughs> and recorded the book myself. And I didn't do that with my first book. And in retrospect, that was a mistake. And so this book, I wanted to read it myself, just because there's so many stories and so many lessons that I think were so important. So um, that's the first thing. Second thing is this, a big question I get from people who hear this concept about choosing the right market and these seven tests that you need to run before you decide if your market is a green light or a red light is, well, what are examples of markets that pass all the tests? So I mentioned I've gone into 23 different markets. And for years, I've had this list of the next market I would go into, like my next markets after the 23. And I kept that list super secret, super private. And um, another thing that I decided to do for your audience is I'm going to give you the next 25 markets that I would go into. Like basically my list of my, the 25 niches that I would go into right now that pass all these tests. And the reason why I'm, I'm going to do this is number one, because I'm so busy right now. Like I'm focused on my book and, you know, our Ask Method company, our teaching company that we've grown. That's my focus right now is teaching other entrepreneurs. So I don't have the time to go into these markets right now. And I love for someone to take these markets and, and, and build businesses in each of these spaces. So that's the first thing. Second thing is I want to give you examples of markets that pass the test so you know what markets to the type of markets you want to be looking for. So um, that's the second thing. And the third thing is um, I mentioned I studied neuroscience in, in college. Psychology and neuroscience is a huge part of my life. And I know starting a business, your success really comes down to kind of what's going on in between your ears. And there's a lot of head trash that we struggle with. And what I did is I put together my 17 mental hacks that I use to overcome all sorts of head trash that I still struggle with myself, you know, candidly, things like analysis paralysis and overcoming fear of failure and uh, self-doubt and self-confidence and all the stuff that holds us back. And it's a course that I put together that sells separately for $199, but I wanted to just hook up your readers with, with that course as well. And so you're not going to find this on our website. You're not going to find this like as a public thing anywhere. You've got to go to a special link. We set up the link, choosethebook.com forward slash build 
choosethebook.com forward slash build just for your readers. And again, free hardcover copy of the book. Just pay a few dollars shipping and handling. I'll ship it to you anywhere in the world and I'll hook you up with over $200 in bonuses. Bro, that is so amazing. Thank you so much for that. So head over to choosethebook.com slash build to pick up all of the amazing bonuses and the book itself that, that Ryan put together for us. Bro, I really appreciate that. I, I want to move uh, the conversation a little bit here into a little bit of a networking conversation because this is the Build Your Network podcast. And that is um, where a lot of my listeners get the most of their value from the show. So this is a question that I, that I always start the conversation off with because um, it's the one that I've asked every single guest that's come on the show. So I'm curious to hear your answer. Who you know or what you know, Ryan, which one is more important and why? I certainly believe it is who you know. It's impossible I think, to amass the knowledge and 10,000 hours necessary in every area of your life and business to be adequately successful. But I do think it is possible to find the right people who have invested that time to learn from. And I have people always ask me, what's your single biggest secret? Like your number one secret. And um, I tell people, I've got one move. I've got one move in my life. And if you look at the most successful people in every, virtually any discipline, you'll find that the most successful people have one move. So for example, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he had one move, the skyhook. Mariano Rivera, recently inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, he had one pitch, the cut fastball. You look at Richard Branson, one of the most iconic entrepreneurs of our time, he's got one move. Branson's got one move. I don't know if you knew this, but Branson's got one move. His one move is simple. Like Branson's built businesses in all sorts of different industries. He's got one move. Branson's one move is this. He hires the number two guy at the number one company and makes that guy or girl, that woman, his number one. So in other words, he goes into an industry, finds the number two at the number one company and makes that number two his number one. That's it. That's his one move. Like that's what he does in niche after niche after it. That's his one move. My one move is a move that anybody can copy. And it's basically this. My one move is to find a mentor in the space that I want to improve in. And I become my mentor's number one student. That's it. Health, business, finance, whatever it is, become your mentor's number one student. And that's the advice I give most entrepreneurs. I say, find someone that you resonate with. That's your person. doesn't have to be me. Whoever it is, find that man, that woman that is your mentor and become your mentor's number one student. That's a secret right there. Yeah, I love that, bro, so much. That's literally everything that I teach here on the show is just like, I truly think that that is the key to being successful. And it's so wide varying. It could be in any industry. If you get plugged into the top 1%, it's only a matter of time before you learn those things. And now all you have to do is implement them. And uh, which goes back to the very beginning of this conversation of why I ended up talking to or flying out to Puerto Rico to meet up with John was I wanted to be in podcasting. So I got the best guy that I knew of to teach me how to do it. And, um, yeah, that, that's, I love the way that you said that I'm going to, I'm going to start stealing that, but I'll give you credit for the first few times though. So don't worry. <laughs> tell me really quick, and we're getting down here to the wire. Tell me really quick about a time in your life where this actually really came into fruition, like a time in your life where a connection led to this other connection that led to a possible opportunity that led to this big moment of success for you. Yeah, I mean, there are many that come to mind. So the man that I consider to be my single most important mentor in business is Dr. Glenn Livingston. 
And he was the first person I believed, you know, I'd been in my job working a, a job and, and uh, this is, this is more than a decade ago now. So this is the podcast and amount of information that's available online today for building a business online. Certainly the level of information then wasn't in anywhere near what's available here today. And there are a lot of people that I just, I just, they didn't pass the gut test. You know, like a lot of people that were, you know, they said that they were doing things and it was like, ah, just things just didn't add up. I just didn't believe it. And he was the first person that I believed what he told was true. So I started becoming a student of his and I, I bought his, um, you know, I bought the first money that I ever spent in the space was a $17 ebook that he had uh, written. And I, uh, and I bought that ebook and, and it led me to spend more money online on it than anything I'd ever bought before. It was a $2,000 course. Um, it was a physical course. It was DVDs and workbooks. Um, I had it shipped to China. And um, when it arrived, it was beat to heck. I mean, it was, you know, it went through customs. It was like the DVD cases were all broken. It looked like the, the workbook was dipped in like muddy brown water. I mean, it was just like beat to heck, but I got it. And I watched every single one of those DVDs and I took notes and I followed the process that he taught and, and it worked. And then I later on, a few years later, I knew I wanted to work with him in a more intimate way. And he had no idea who I was. I was just a customer, you know, just a, one of his thousands of customers from afar. And I, and I spent weeks crafting, carefully crafting this letter that I wanted to write to him that basically told my story and how I, at this time I had, you know, launched, you know, I think two successful businesses and I'd used a lot of what I had learned from him and uh, crafted this very carefully crafted letter that was basically to convince him to take me on as a private client, which he wasn't doing at the time. And in the letter, I, I told him my story. I, I affixed a $1,000 cashier check to the top of the, to the letter, a $100 bill in the letter. And just to make sure that he received it, I FedExed it to his home on Christmas Day. I sent him, and if you want to know what it costs to FedEx something that you insured is going to get there on FedEx Day, it was, it was hundreds of dollars just for this letter. So I spent a few thousand dollars just to get this into his hands between the cashier check and the FedEx and everything like that. And he actually returned the letter to me uh, with a short note and said, I can't do it. It's just not fair because you know it wouldn't be in integrity to accept this. But stay tuned because I may be opening up spots to work with me privately in the coming weeks. And so I paid attention to every email I got. And finally, I saw the announcement, I was going to accept coaching clients. And I remember I opened up three computers that day, had my credit card information all typed in because I knew every time you'd opened up private coaching spots, they went really fast. But anyway, long story short, I, I got one of the spots and it started a, a relationship that I developed with Dr. Glenn, where I got to know him. I spent time with him in his home. We did about a dozen hikes through the White Mountains of New Hampshire, anywhere from a few hours to one hike we did was about an 18-hour hike together, just talking and getting to know him. And he wrote the forward to my first book, Ask, and you know we've become friends and colleagues ever since then. And so that's just one example of a case in my life where I identified a mentor and went all in to build a relationship with him and uh, it's been transformative. So huge impact. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. Like that's what I like to say. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. None of us has gotten to where we are on our own. There's no such thing as a self-made millionaire. None of us are self-made. Like you would not be here 
if it weren't for at least your parents giving birth to you. Like, you know, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. And I feel like one of the things that we can do more than anything else is honor the people who helped us get to where we are here today. And in many ways, I feel like we've got a duty. Like you have a duty. We all have a duty. There are people in our lives, there are people in your life, dude, that have made sacrifices to help you get to where you are here today in small ways and big ways from our family to our teachers, to mentors, to people along the way who have done small things, some things that we may not even realize. And I feel like we all have a duty to honor those people by leaving it all in the field, giving it everything that you've got because their people made sacrifices because they believed in you. And we got to give back to those who helped us get us here. So Dr. Glenn is one of my mentors, one of many mentors, but one of the people that's had a big impact on me in a huge way. So that's a story, man. That's amazing. Absolutely love that. And a perfect way to bring this conversation to an end. I could, I could chat with you for another few hours if we both had the time, but I know we're coming down here to the end. So let's move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Cool. Let's do it. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Lego master builder. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk with them for an hour, who would it be and why? Elon Musk. I have a lot of admiration for someone who didn't have to work another day of his life and decided to risk it all. You know, after he cashed out from PayPal, he did not have to work another day of his life. And he took himself basically back to the brink of bankruptcy, risked everything that he had for something he believed in so much. I'd love to understand one would do that and, uh, and have the courage to do the same thing. How do you like to consume content, books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Yeah, I am. My modality for communication is definitely verbal. So I'm uh, a much better speaker than I am a writer. In fact, I spoke much of Choose, which was then transformed into a written book. But ironically, I prefer reading more than anything else. So reading written material. What is one of your favorites? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so one of my all-time favorites that I've written, uh, read recently in the last year or two, so it made it onto my all-time favorite list was Ray Dalio's book, Principles. If you haven't read it yet, it's, just, it's, it's rare for a book to make it to my all-time top 10 list. And it's the first book in years that that's made it onto that list. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. So morning routine for me is very much kid focused. So we've got two boys, four and seven year olds. So morning routine is me waking up, making breakfast for the kids, making lunch for the kids. We have a, a, a practice as a family that we kick the day off with. It's a gratitude practice and we just express what was one thing from yesterday that you were really grateful for? And we kind of start the day off like that, have breakfast, and then I take the kids to school. After I take the kids to school, I work out um, with my trainer, come home, do about 20 minutes on the Peloton, and uh, do a news meditation. So I use the news technology, the headband and app to do active meditation. Then I usually hop in the shower and then get to work. That's kind of when my, when my day starts. What is your go-to pump-up song? <laughs> uh, Macklemore's Can't Hold Us. It's how I kick off every single live event when I run on stage like a crazy person, get everyone on their feet. <laughs> Love it. What is something that you are just not very good at? Not very good at dancing. <laughs> so when I get on stage, basically embarrass myself. Anyone who's been to one of my live events can attest to that. That is definitely one that we share, my man. So... <laughs> <laughs> As we get everything wrapped up here, Ryan, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? 
Uh, right now, I spend the most time on Facebook when it comes to social media, but uh, that pendulum is very quickly starting to swing toward the Instagram direction. Um, it's not a place that I've historically spent a lot of time, but it's a place that we're, that I'm spending more and more time these days. Awesome. So if you want to hear more from Ryan, go check out Facebook or Instagram, but most importantly, head over to choosethebook.com slash build to pick up your copy of the book the audiobook and all the amazing bonuses that Ryan and his team put together just for all you amazing listeners out there. So Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show today, brother. I had a blast chatting with you. Travis, it's been awesome. Super grateful and looking forward to chatting soon. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about how we've been able to get some of the guests to come on the show, I've created a totally free resource called Meet Your Hero. So if you'd like to connect with people you respect and admire that are difficult to reach, you're going to want to go to travischapel.com slash hero to take action and start that training today. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Sleep Outfitters Outlet, great sleep is a big deal. Save 40 to 60% every day on every Sealy, Stearns & Foster, and Tempur-Pedic. Queens as low as 249 Customer exchanges, closeouts, and floor samples. Inventory changes daily, so come in for your dream deal today. With no credit needed financing, expert advice, and up to 60% off retail, it's never been easier to get the sleep and savings you deserve. Go to sleepoutfittersoutlet.com for financing details and to find a store near you.